You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to American Party Podcast. Um, Today we have a very special guest, somebody that I've been following for many years, uh, Michael Shermer. You are a historian of science. Like I, I've been watching pretty much every science documentary that's ever come out on anything I've watched, uh, and you pop up a lot, and, and it, I got curious early on because you would pop up with a lot of people who were uh, theoretical physicists and things like that. But your uh, your specialty is, is is as a historian of science. Now, tell me about what that is. Oh well, so um, science has a history, and and I'm a historian, and so we study the history of science. Essentially, that's what it is. It's looking at uh, maybe, in my case, about the past 400 years or so. Um, my PhD was actually in evolutionary theory and Darwin and Alfred Russell Wallace and how they differed hmm. very specific topic, but more generally, um, I do a lot of philosophy of science too. So it allows me to dabble in lots of different fields, physical sciences, biological sciences, social sciences, and that pretty much covers the gamut. And, uh, I also have graduate degrees in, in, um, psychology too, experimental psych. So social sciences, uh, and all that kind of feeds into my day job, which is, you know, editing Skeptic Magazine mm. and, and writing my books and, and, and so forth. And we dabble in a lot of different topics. I need to be able to evaluate claims in any field based on the kind of evidence that they present. And that has a general, a more general sense uh, of the kind of thing you study when you study science uh, right. in any field. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, the, the proclivity for most uh, quote unquote scientists is to become very specialized at one thing or another. Right. I mean, that's just kind of how the process lends itself. But being a generalist, obviously, I think puts you in a better position than a lot of other people to explain to those without advanced degrees in science what the fuck's going on in life. You know what I mean? It's, it can be very difficult <laughs> yes. to understand all of this stuff and what, uh, you know, the physical universe and then sociology, how those things uh, uh, affect one another. Now, you mentioned Skeptic Magazine. <clears throat> um, you've been pretty much the skeptic, in my opinion, over the last 30 years or so. Like somebody that's been pretty consistently uh, prove it is, is a phrase that you might <laughs> yes. use, right? Yes, um, yeah. A lot of people, right. a lot of people right. make empirical claims without a lot of evidence. Uh, and 
That, that's that's always right. been very bizarre to me. Like, how could you be so sure? Because I've always felt pretty skeptical myself. How did you get into that? Like, what what was the process that made you wonder if anything that was going on is real? Or right. Not? So, by the way, for your for your viewers, this is the latest issue of Skeptic. Uh, this is our thirtieth anniversary uh, this year, and we just did a redesign, and we're taking on a a very non-controversial subject, trans matters. So, <laughs> uh, and our next one is on race. And then the one after that is on nationalism. So uh, we're kind of expanding our horizons to, because uh, you can only do so many articles on astrology. Is it true? Or can psychics talk to the dead or is Bigfoot real or, you know, are UFOs landing at the white house? Right. You know, you can only do those so many times and, and they, they always turn up to be, you know, non-existent or, you know, next to no evidence. And so in, in science, we have this idea called the null hypothesis. That mm. is, your hypothesis is not true until proven otherwise. So, um, you know, if you say, well, I, you know, I think Bigfoot's real, like, okay, well, show me the, show me the body. What have you got? Well, I don't have a body, but I've got some grainy videos and some blurry photographs. And if you squint and kind of look at the shadow in that tree over there, it sort of looks like a bipedal primate. Well, <laughs> sorry, that, that, you know, in biology, to name a new species, you have to actually have to have a type specimen. Like right. here it is. I found it on the side of the road. It was a you know, roadkill or something. And, and, uh, and so now it's in so the you're museum. Saying Harry and the, dissected and, you're saying Harry and the Hendersons yeah. was not real. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's going to be rough That's for right, our audience yeah. to, to, to come to grips with, to be honest, because uh, they all thought that <laughs> you know, was in the, in the recent, recent flap, right? <laughs> yes. And the recent flap over the UFOs, UAP, so-called UAP videos from the Navy, um, again, this is just pretty typical of the kind of evidence we're, we're, we're given. That is, you know, they're kind of grainy videos. You can't quite make out what's going on. And, you know, that that's particularly dangerous for how our perceptual systems work and, and cognitive psychology. That is, we fill in the gaps. When you can't quite make out what's going on, your imagination fills in the gaps and comes up with all kinds of things. In, in science, we need more definitive evidence than that. It's got to be really clear cut so that you can see it and I can see it. And, you know, I like to say, I don't, I don't want to believe in things that you have to believe in for, for them to be real. I mean, right. they have to be really real, not, not just what I think is real or you think is real, but what we, what we can all look at with our own eyes. Like demonstrably true things. I mean, another way I, I, Hitchens Razor is one that I invoke quite a bit. Like extraordinary mm. claims require extraordinary evidence. Now this null. Oh, that's a Sagan, Carl Sagan. Oh, he's the, okay. Uh, so the yeah. uh, <laughs> the uh, the null hypothesis, I think, is is with the, with the rise of social media. It seems like it just kind of takes advantage of people's uh, proclivity to um, <clears throat> ignore whatever else is going on and just, you know, apply confirmation bias to everything they do. And I, and I wonder like what, from your perspective, you do, you, you do a lot of uh, psychological research or, or, or commentary and, and things like that. I wonder what you think about, you know, modern Western sociology and how and psychology and how our brains are being primed to just believe whatever one group or another group tells us without any kind of, you know, rigor uh yeah. academic rigor applied to it yeah i was thinking about that when i was writing my my next big book on conspiracies of why anybody could possibly believe the QAnon conspiracy theory that is that 
Hillary Clinton is running a secret satanic cult out of a pizzeria in Washington, D.C. to drink the blood of children. How, how can anyone possibly believe that? And, and yet huge percentages of people say they believe it. And these are not crazy people. These are normal people. They have jobs and they have families and they go about daily life in a pretty rational way. So I, I think what's going on there is there's some tribal signaling, virtue signaling maybe, or, you know, like I, I am so committed to being, uh, you know, a critic of, of the Democrats. I'm a re- good Republican and I, I right. that I'm willing to signal that I believe this crazy idea. So even if you point out, well, the, you know, somebody actually went to that pizzeria, this guy named Edgar Welch with his gun yep. to break up the pedophile ring, which is what you would do if you really believe there was right. a crime going on and the police wouldn't do anything about it. So he went there and discovered not only is there no basement, uh, you know, there's no pedophile ring and, and the pizza wasn't even that good. <laughs> and so, you know, so you point that out and, and, and the response is something like, yeah, OK, that one's not true. But that's the kind of thing Democrats would do you know, because they're, they're, they're evil people or something like that, you know? So it's, it's more of a kind of a tribal belief. Uh, it isn't literally true, whether it's literally true or not, is kind of beside the point. I make the analogy like with religious beliefs or some political truths that, you know, they're the kind of things we adhere to and we defend separately than we would some empirical truth that you would find in science. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it does, it seems like the, the binary nature of our political systems. And I don't know if that's, maybe it's always been the case that we choose one side or the other, and maybe it's paralysis through analysis if there's more than one option or more than two options, rather. Uh, I I don't know why there hasn't been major third parties, uh, I guess, in American politics, Mm. at least. Uh, It's, I mean, there, there've been blips. There've been independent blips, green party blips, uh, libertarian blips here and there. But for the most part, and I know it's just the establishment protecting itself and fighting to, make sure nobody else captures any of their territory. But it does seem like, and the point you made was <clears throat> people that might, people that are Republican might be uh, anti-Democrat and anything the Democrats say, they have to be anti that, but it's uh, the, the inverse of that is true as well. Like the Republicans, if a Republican says it, they're probably going to agree with it as well. And, vi- and the Democrats are going right, to agree with their person, right. but without actually understanding whether or not anything is true or not. Yes, exactly. Right. So this is called motivated reasoning. You mentioned confirmation bias, which is part of that. We're motivated to win our arguments rather than figure out what's actually true. Uh, Of course, we want to know what's true, but we also want to know that our team is right. And so you have that kind of tension between the two. And sometimes the facts get evaluated properly uh, when they support your belief. And then they get twisted and rationalized and spin doctored when they don't support your belief. So it's not that people are across the board irrational. We can evaluate, say, healthcare plans mm-hmm. or immigration policy quite rationally if it's somebody on our team that proposed it. You know, this my congressman proposed this immigration policy. I already like him. Okay, so I'm going to evaluate the evidence pretty clearly. But if it's the other side, you know, then I'm going to evaluate very critically. And uh, you know that. So the the facts don't just speak for themselves. So how do you? Uh... Given the motivated reasoning, and it, maybe that's just a, something that's that's happened in our brain brains over the years. How do you address that uh, in one in an argument or a debate with somebody else who's who's doing that? And how do you address it in yourself? I mean, I know one strategy is to steel man the other person's argument, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That, that's a, yeah. that's a good thing. But do you have any other uh, thoughts on that? How to address that? Yeah, that's 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 a good place to start. You know, can you actually articulate what the other person is? 
saying, and, that, and that's a good place to start because it gets the conversation rolling in a non-confrontational way. Let me see if I understand what you're saying. Are you saying X, 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 X? And the person almost always says, no, 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 that, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. And so by going back and forth, at least there's a sense that you're listening. And you're trying to understand what the other person is saying. So that reduces the you know, levels of hostility and anger that typically arise right. when you start talking about, you know, politics at the dinner table kind of thing or religion. Uh, but it know, also and, puts everybody's and, you know, cards on the table too, right? I mean, it's not, so if anybody's trying to obfuscate what their plan actually is, that, that process kind of eliminates their ability to do so. Yes, exactly. Let, let, let's not uh, play word games. Just tell me what you think. Mm. Uh, just it, just be as clear as you can. I want to understand. And then from there, you can go to, well, you know, how, how did you, where did you hear that? Or where did you get those facts? And where did they come? Are, are you sure that source is trustworthy? You know, oh, I heard it on CNN or I heard it on Fox News. Well, you know, maybe you should get some additional sources just right. in case, because, you know, those aren't the most reliable. So, well, I heard in the New York Times. Okay, that's good. What about the Wall Street Journal? Check them too. Uh, you know, in other words, have multiple sources for your information, because, you know, we know that, you know, all sources have, most sources have a particular kind of bias. It's a good point. Uh, people ask me all the time, where do I go for news? Where do I, how, like, how do I stay informed and, and figure out what the hell is happening? I, mean, I, I pretty much read everything uh, that I can get my mm -hmm. hands on and mm -hmm. then, you know, uh, I guess, deliberate internally on what makes sense and what doesn't. But there's always going to be unknowns there. Uh, how, what, what's your process? How, you, you actually run a magazine like a, a publication that's dedicated to being skeptical and finding out the truth. So what's your, what's the process you go through to do that? Well, for me, again, I, I do check multiple sources. I, I am old school. I read multiple newspapers, actually physical newspapers every day, New York times, wall street journal, LA times, and the local Santa Barbara paper here. And, uh, and I read a lot. I mean, it's just so easy to do now. You just click from one uh, source to another. Mm. And, you know, when I hear something, I, I just, I want to, okay, let's see, where'd that come from? Okay. Hmm, I don't know about that source. I've never heard of it. So let's check some other places to see if they've, you know, heard, heard of this claim and, and uh, you know, what's the, what's the quality of the evidence? How was it collected? Who did it? You know, did they have a track record of being reliable or not? Uh, and the source itself, are they reliable or, or they have a track record or not being reliable? You know, so you just kind of ask those kind of kick the tires sort of questions before you buy the car. Um, uh, look under the hood <laughs> uh, and, you know, just be a kind of a practical consumer uh, of information like you would anything else. And people are pretty good about that. You know, when they shop for homes or cars or whatever, you know, they do read the consumer reports. They do look at the different evaluations and the idea that people are not rational. They're not capable of evaluating uh, numbers, statistics, data. That's not true. You know, sports fans consume devour sports mm. statistics like crazy they they can do it <laughs> or the weather you know we, we you know everyone can can evaluate weather reports okay so why can't we do that with everything else any other claim uh and and so that's kind of our mission well that's definitely uh something we're missing i think in in american society at least um the legacy media particularly cable news has gone out of its way to just lie about everything they can uh it, it at first, I just thought they were biased and kind of incompetent, but now it seems pretty narrowly focused on pushing an agenda. Uh, and I, f frankly, uh, have a hard time even with some of the, the print publications uh, and some of the stuff they do. Uh, we're seeing a, a, 
and not not just uh, bias in the writing, which you're going to have at least some of that, as you mentioned, but uh, censoring uh, censoring dissent, which I think is a t- to me that's a red flag that the person doesn't actually believe what they're saying. Like if they're trying to shout mm. you down or whatever, they typically they don't even believe what they're saying. They're just trying to do something, mm. and that makes me very. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's the phrase or what's the word I'm looking for? It makes me very paranoid, I guess. Like if somebody's trying to mm-hmm. lie to me and then yell at me for pointing out that they're lying, that makes me extremely paranoid about what their agenda might be. Mm. Yes. Well, we have to remember like those evening shows on cable, they're really more entertainment than news. Mm. I mean, even Fox, you know, the Fox news daytime shows, the actual news shows, they're pretty good. Uh, uh, you know, they really mostly just present the facts same thing with the cnn daytime guys the evening ones you know that's just think of it more like a larry remember larry king show oh yeah you know that was in the entertainment that was in the entertainment division of cnn not the news division and and that's where really where tucker carlson and and sean hannity and and laura ingram they belong in the entertainment uh portion or division of, of fox not not the news division they're not journalists you know they're entertainers they're there to get ratings and they do that and you know, MSNBC, same thing. You know, I mean, they purport to be presenting the news, like Rachel Maddow. And, you know, she's pretty good. She has a team of researchers. She presents a lot of stuff, but it's definitely angled and biased, you know, 100%. I just don't, I don't trust the angle. Uh, again, the fact she has, she has lots of facts, but I don't trust because the facts don't speak for themselves. Which facts are you not telling me? You're giving me those, but what about, what am I not hearing about? And that's what a good, a good journalist would do. I mean, you you know this. Uh, you've done graduate research. Uh, it, it, you can't write a paper without at least uh, adding what the dissent and so, at some point, right towards the end of your paper, like this yeah. is what might yeah. be wrong with this, or this is what some people say. But yes. here, here's my right. response to that. But we don't we don't really do that anymore because uh, it would require right. like a, too much effort. Maybe they like I, people. I I think it's a distrust that the media and patrician class have and the common folk <laughs> like they're not smart enough mm-hmm. or intellectually uh, sophisticated enough to absorb all the information and to make a decision. So they try to shield you from certain information or yell at you for believing certain information instead of just laying all the facts out on the table. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There is, there's kind of a uh, bigotry of low expectations uh, amongst uh, media people about the public. And I think that's wrong. I think people can evaluate evidence. We are pretty rational we're more intelligent than, than, than producers think. Uh, it's, it's a, be- a long time beef of mine, you know, that, that, you know, these shows on aliens, you know, ancient aliens and, and all the ghost hunting shows. And, you know, they almost never present a skeptical perspective. Why? And, and it's because they're afraid that people don't want to know. And they'll be too dumb to evaluate two different mm. ideas at the same time or, or that the ratings are going to go down if we tell the truth about this particular claim or if we present another side. That's not true. It's absolutely not true. People well, it's, are quite it's, the, it's the opposite of true. If you're not like, as I said before, if you don't steel man the other person's argument and then address it directly, then you don't really believe what you're saying, in my opinion. Yes, exactly. Right. Like this ancient alien shows, I just can't watch it anymore. It's, you know, the topics are fun and interesting, but, you know, it's like, here we are in Easter Island and no one has any idea how these statues were carved. That's not true. 
you know, and then, then they'll have one of the ancient alien guys on there. Could it be alien? You know, why don't you have someone like Joanne Van Tilburg at UCLA, who's been going to Easter Island every year for 40 years and has books about how the Easter Island statues were carved, how they were moved, you know, and, 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 and excavated there and so on. We do have an idea or the pyramids, you know, how are yeah. these pyramids, you know, made? Well, we have some ideas about that. You know, well, no one knows. So there must, it could be aliens. No, we actually do know. <laughs> isn't isn't you know, that kind of just the same thing that religion's been doing for a long time? Like anywhere there's a gap in our information, it's either well, uh, you you've got a phrase for it, uh, something about it being magic. I can't remember exactly how it goes. Yeah, the, well, the god, well, there's the god of the gaps argument. Yeah, wherever there's a gap, that's where we're going to put God into, and uh, and then the other one is you know mystery, therefore magic. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a, yeah. It, you know it, it's a mystery. I can't figure it out. Therefore, it's it's magic or supernatural or paranormal. No, it's good to remember those. Those are just words we use, paranormal, supernatural. Um, they don't exist. They're, they're just words we use to, to fill in the gap of a, some mystery, mm. you know, and, and once it, the mystery gets explained, then it's no longer paranormal, supernatural. It's part of the natural world that we study, or it just goes away because there was no, nothing to explain. Mm. Well, I mean, so <laughs> I don't remember who it is that said this. It was, it was, it may have been, uh, it may have been Dan Dennett or somebody like that, but he's like, at no point in human history has a new religious text shown up and disproven something that we believed in science, that we've proven through science, right? It's always been the opposite of that for <laughs> yes, a long time. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, you know, I, yes, I, exactly. I don't know why people get so bent out of shape about that. I mean, if you believe uh, in some kind of de- deity, uh, doesn't it seem like... You, that kind of person, like if I build a house and then I'm a, car- I'm a carpenter and I start building other shit inside of my house, I still built the house. You know what? I'm using the natural processes under which that house was built mm-hmm. to build more. That's kind of, it seems mm-hmm. like that would follow, but for whatever reason, like I, I don't, I don't believe in anything, but uh, like you said, I don't like to believe in anything that I, that I'm, that I have to believe in. I, that's a really good way to say that because I, that's, that doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense to me. Um, anyways, Let's talk about everybody well, wants to hear about. Oh no, go ahead and respond to that. Uh, uh, well, so I make a distinction between religious truths and scientific truths, and 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 the and those latter uh, the, the religious truths I put into a larger category of mythic truths. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they're sort of mythically true. So, you know, if a religion makes a claim about something and says this actually really happened, I mean, it, it's you know the resurrection of Jesus. You know, Jesus was killed and he was resurrected mm-hmm. from the dead. Now, do you mean that mythically? Because there's lots of stories of virgin births and resurrections in mm-hmm. history, but those are myths. They're stories, and and by myth here, I don't mean not true. I mean myth like in a story like like you know a novel or 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 some mythic story that that it, whether it's true or not is irrelevant it carries a message yeah, yeah. like a zeus. moral homily some, something you're supposed to take like zeus yeah. Yeah, yeah something you're supposed to take away uh from about to apply to your personal life or to society or whatever um and so if that's what you mean you know i i accept uh, Jesus is my savior or something like that. But I don't mean that it's really true, literally true. Well then, okay. Then that, uh, I don't really have a beef with that because, um, you're not claiming it to be uh, justified, true belief or knowledge or empirical truths like in science. Right. And uh, here I'll tell, I'll tell you a, a funny story. So uh, that I mentioned on my podcast before. So Richard Dawkins and I are at this conference with Ken Miller, who is mm-hmm. a world uh, renowned biologist and debunker of intelligent design creationism, but he's also a Catholic and he wrote this great book debunking the, the creationist. But then the last chapter, he, he says, well, by the way, I'm a Catholic and I believe that Jesus, you know, was resurrected. 
resurrected from the dead. So Richard starts, Dawkins starts down this little path in the conversation, you know, so if we found a piece of the true cross and on a piece of the true cross, there was a little bit of flesh and we were able to extract the DNA from Jesus. Uh, you know, it, it, since he was born of a virgin, he can't have, you know, a regular DNA sequence like like normal humans. He must right. be godlike or must be something. And Miller kind of interrupted him and said, Richard, I'm not claiming any of this is true. This is just what I believe. I'm a Catholic. This is what we believe. Well, that's like cultural it's religion, like, oh, right? Okay. That's, it's, yeah. It's, like mo- it's almost, faith. It's almost whatever you mean. Almost all of my Jewish friends, and especially those who either now live in Israel or or were there back in the day. Uh, I'm not sure they actually believe uh, as literal truth anything about that. I mean, it's just it's a, it's almost like a cultural mm. thing at that at that point, right? Yes, right, right. Yes, that's right. That's a good way to put it. It's more like a, you know a tradition. This mm. is just what we do. You know, we we have this food on this on this particular date mm. to honor this event that happened in our history. And, you know, poking around in the details of exactly what part of it is true is kind of missing the point. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, as long as they're not yeah. being dicks about it, there's no reason to like you don't want to disabuse somebody of, of their ability to live their life the way they want to. I know you're a libertarian and you, right. you believe right. that to your core because that's that right. is libertarianism. Right. But, uh, it, you know, as long as people aren't being evangelic or trying to affect policy <laughs> yes. and affect other people's lives. I think it's, uh, right. and I, I also think it's uh, extremely beneficial to the group, like whomever it happens to be, to uh, to like whatever process you have to build and strengthen and carry on community is a good thing. We're seeing a, a lot of weird shit is happening lately. Like a lot of different things have taken the place of religion over the last 25 years. And at least religion mm-hmm. was old and we knew that it was like, we can, <laughs> we can deal with that. But all these new things like, uh, becoming a partisan politic person or uh, mm. believing that that biology that we've known for thousands of years isn't real and shit like that. It, it's like it, these things have become like a de facto religion of people. And mm-hmm. it, the problem is they're making empirical claims, not about where the, where the world or universe came from, but what it's like right now. And that has daily impact on our life. You know what I mean? If we're not operating with the correct information, that's a big deal. Yes, it's like um, John McWhorter's analogy of anti-racism movement, um, the whole BLM movement and so on, as being kind of like a religion, you know, where everyone has original sin, we're all racists, and you have to atone for your sins and be forgiven, and, and, uh, you know, you can never really completely cleanse yourself of the sin, and on and on. He he has a whole book about this. And uh, it's an interesting analogy. I, I, I don't think it's literally a religion because there's no Godhead, uh, but it, it's it's metaphorically religious-like. It's religious-like. It has characteristics of it. And I think what you're talking about there is, you know, that these move these political movements and social movements engage our religious uh, energies, let's say, you know, to to get behind some particular cause and 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 right. follow it enthusiastically. And, and, and people do that. Something bigger than yourself that becomes a big part of your identity. That, it's, not, it's not unique to modern culture. It's, that's always been the case with human beings, so far as I could tell. Um, I went to... Well, I, we're tribal. We're social. We, sure, we want to yeah. belong to groups. That's yep. normal. And most groups are, are good. You know, most, most groups you join don't turn out to be cults or you know, crazy political uh, coup-type uh, organizations or ISIS or anything like that. Most groups are good. So th- it's okay to do that. It's just be wary of how far down the path this particular group is going. 
you know, if it takes you to, to uh, the Capitol steps on January 6th, where you break into the, the Capitol, maybe yeah, you should yeah. rethink this one might've gone a little too far. <laughs> yeah. That's stupid. Uh, uh, someone in the chat here mentioned scientism becoming a new religion. Uh, yeah. What, how do you feel about that? Appeal? I'm familiar with the argument. I'm familiar with the argument. Yeah. How, how do you feel about yeah, so the, the appeal to the science? Like, you know, a monolith of the science as if oh. it's a, it's a moment in time or a single, like the science is this now and then it's that later. Well, that's not really how that works, right? Science is always learning new things, hopefully. That's right. Yes, that's right. There's no um, dogmatic snapshot we take and say, follow the science on this particular date because that's the final truth. As we saw in the last two years, you know, the, the story keeps changing because the evidence keeps changing. Right. You know, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, cloth mask versus M95 mask. This vaccine, that vaccine, do you need a booster or not? The story keeps changing. So people that get frustrated with that, uh, you know, it's understandable, but that's just the way it is. And the reason for that is because none of us are omniscient. We're not God. We don't know. And and therefore, we have to apply the best tools we have of reasoning, rationality, and science. And they're always going to be imperfect. There's always going to be disagreement. Mm. And so when you say follow the science, you kind of mean the consensus. Like, what do most scientists say? Yes, I know you can always find somebody that's out there that says, no, this is all bullshit. But but what do most people think? And, you know, that's that's a, that's a reasonable heuristic or rule of thumb to follow. Mm. It, it works most of the time. All right, Michael, give us just a sec. I've got to do some ads to keep this uh, keep the show going. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base or 30% off everything if you use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. You could buy a mattress uh, for like 35 a month. They zero down, 0% financing for up to 60 months. Check it out at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Uh, Cooling technology is. I, I woke up sweaty uh, this morning because I went to sleep on the couch because I was coughing, uh, and I didn't want to wake up Brittany. And that was a mistake. I should have just woken her up uh, because I sweat my ass off because I wasn't on my cooling mattress with my fucking cooling pillows. So make sure you get out there and get those deals. Every mattress has a twenty-year warranty. Uh, some even have twenty-five. You can try it out for one hundred and one nights. Uh, send it back. No hard feelings if you don't like it, which I doubt will be the case. Uh, the bundle package, you get, a, you get an adjustable base and a mattress and anything else you get with that. 40% off that total order. Or as, a, as I said before, 30% off everything if you uh, use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Uh, next up, we have Simply Safe. I'm sure you remember this uh, from being installed in Dakota's house. We did a video about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, U.S. News, PC Magazine, Popular Science, a number of other publications have all ranked Simply Safe Home Security as the best home security of 2021. Uh, and U.S. News has also done that for 22 as well. Uh, again, you, you may have seen the video where we set it up in Dakota's house. It takes like 15 minutes to set the whole thing up. Uh, uh, incredibly simple. Uh, but also very effective. It protects your whole home around the clock, every door, room, and window. It's backed by the best 24-7 professional monitoring in the business, ready to dispatch police, firefighters, or EMTs to your home with a comprehensive set of sensors and cameras, including the all-new wireless outdoor security camera. You always know what's going on inside and outside your home. Simply Safe is less than $1 a day, and you can set it up in around 30 minutes 
uh, it, it, it's always simple to use. Uh, I would say 15 minutes, probably maybe 30. If you do all of the windows in your house, uh, there's no long-term contract, nothing like that. You can try it for 60 days risk-free to see if you like it. If you don't send it back free of charge, simply safe protects over a million homes in the United States alone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, you can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash American party. That's S I M P L I. S-A-F-E dot com slash American Party. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off uh, the interactive monitoring. Uh, go to simplysafe.com slash American Party. Certainly, uh, do you, it, I guess it's been the case for a while, but uh, especially with the rise of telecommunications and its involvement with the government uh, since its inception from the time we were sending uh, wires to people. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, there's mm-hmm. a story about Rutherford B. Hayes um, realizing he was about to lose the Electoral College, and then the AP and Western Union kind of helped him. It's in uh, – um, God, what's the name of that book? I think it's over here somewhere. Shit. I don't I'll, know I'll, that I'll have story. to look it up. I'll have to look it up. I'll, 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 I'll figure it out here. It's uh, Tim Wu is the author. What's the name of the book I'm thinking of? Yeah, master. The, the master switch. If you've never read that, it's a very interesting book about how. No, I don't know that one. Uh, he's, I think he's an MIT guy, but it's about how government, since the dawn of humanity, anytime a new technology rises, the government tries to uh, grab it as hard as they can and, and keep everybody else from getting mm-hmm. it, and also weaponize it against other countries and sometimes their own population. Whether it was the mm-hmm. internet or the uh, mm-hmm. uh, or the printing press or anything like that. Yeah, interesting. I'm not sure about that generalization. I mean, governments do have a role in helping to launch new industries, you know, in so-called infant industries. You know, economists make the argument that this is actually a good thing, that, you know, certain uh, big projects, you know, moon, moonshot type projects can't be done by solo entrepreneurs, right. although Elon Musk may be an exception to this rule. Uh, but, you know, if you want to make a, tra- a transcontinental railroad, you know, how do you, how do you get all that land? Well, the government just, you know, steps in and says, all right, we're going to, you know, we're going to just give you this land because it's ours and we're going to lease it to you. And, and then you have to pay us this. And then, well, what about competitors? All right, well, we'll give you a monopoly on it for a while. And, you know, so on and so on. Those kind of deals are made all the time, you know, mining rights and farming rights and, and all that stuff, because who owns the land? You know, well, that's, you know, that's a legal matter. And so you have, you know, you do have governments involved in that. And the internet is certainly one of those. I mean, initially developed as a Department of Defense, DARPA project Mm. for communicating between, um, you know, different divisions and bases and whatnot uh, over the, over the the internet that didn't exist. You know, somehow we're going to do this through computers. And then, then that became the internet. And then, and then now we have what we have, but all that required a lot of government activity involved in, you know, granting licenses to, you know, have certain bandwidths and, and all that same thing with radio and television. Mm-hmm. That that's pretty normal. You know, it's you know, the, the libertarian idea that, well, just let entrepreneurs do whatever they want. And, you know, if they fail, they fail well, but it'd be pretty hard to get, I mean, again, Elon Musk, the exception, you know, to have this, the infrastructure set up to get going is, is hard for anybody. You need a lot of money. So it could be that this could change now because there is so much money. There's so much wealth going around. And 
you know, Elon, to his credit, you know, took his whatever it was, $450 million payout from PayPal. Um, and then instead of, you know, buying cars and sitting on the beach, he decided to launch an electric car company and then a, and then a space rocket company. Okay. So, but he came pretty close to failing and, mm. uh, you know, I have a Tesla, so I've, I've kind of watched the infrastructure develop. And now I, you know, there's chargers everywhere, not just Tesla uh, charger stations, but I see him going up pretty much in the same locations where Elon put his charger stations uh, of other chargers for other cars, you know, Ford and GM and BMW, and they're, they're all doing it. So this is going to happen. Um, but it took a lot of, you know, e- Elon is, yes, he's a great entrepreneur, but he's had a lot of government help, you know, oh, a lot of sure, breaks. Yeah. I've gotten it. You know, I got 2,500 bucks back from the state of California for buying a Tesla. I got a check. <laughs> and for the from the IRS, I get 7,500 bucks taken off my uh, t- taxable income for owning a Tesla. Okay. Elon didn't do that. The government did that mm-hmm. uh, because they want, they want to, they want to nudge us toward uh, renewable energy sources and that sort of thing. In, in the same way that I get a tax break because I'm married, uh, I get to deduct the interest on the mortgage of my home mm-hmm. I'm sitting in here. Yeah, because the government says, well, we want people to have kids and families. We want our citizens to own homes. So we're going to give them a break and, you know, and so on. Very interesting. Yeah. And Elon has been trying since uh, 2013 or so to get the government to match funds. He, I actually did um, uh, bodyguard work back in the day. And I was at the Edison Electric Institute mm. uh, annual mm. uh, thing. I, I was doing body work for General Petraeus at the time. I think it was 2014. Um, wow. And uh, Elon was one of the guest speakers. And he had this plan to put like a honeycomb-shaped pattern of charging stations all over the country. And he was going to spend 11, mm. $11 billion of his own. And by the way, $11 billion of his own money back then was a lot more of his wealth than it is now. <laughs> but he was going to spend $11 mm-hmm. billion of his own money over 10 years, and the federal government was going to match those funds. At least that's what he was asking for. And there would never be mm. – you would nowhere in the United States would you ever be farther than like 100 miles from a charging station or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and Well, that's pretty much happened now. I mean, you yeah. can drive across the country. I can drive from L.A. here to Vegas, no problem. Right. And that's – that's across the desert. There's charger stations out there and not just me, not just Tesla, but other, there's others out there now too. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's definitely coming along. Although I would say, um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, with some of that, like, Oh, I drive a clean vehicle. Like the vehicle itself may not make emissions, but where did the energy come from that went into your vehicle in the first place? You know what I mean? It's not always well, the best I, source. I, 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 I thought it was the energy fairy that gave me free electricity. (laughs) That's not true. No, I guess not. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's uh, he, it's absolutely the railroads, as you mentioned, the interstate highway system, all these things were public private cooperatives. Uh, And and it's, I mean, that's nothing new for sure. Um, Everybody wants to hear about aliens these days. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. You, you may be somebody that's uh, researched, different theories on this more than anybody else. Uh, well, from a position of not just trying to understand it so you can talk to other people about it, but actually be, like the merits of the argument. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. The, the Nimitz, uh, those, those mm-hmm. images have been pretty compelling for a lot of people. Now, mm-hmm. my understanding is the the 1940s and 50s when a lot of people were seeing these things these are like hypersonic test aircraft and things like that probably they're bouncing around but some of these uh image or some of these videos from the Nimitz 
the object moves in a way that we don't know how to make things move. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean... Uh, That's what it appears to do. Right, yeah, yeah. But you have, to, you have to understand that these are being filmed by a camera on the bottom of a jet that's rotating. They're in these, on these gyroscopic devices that rotate the, the camera. So it's not clear what's moving. Is it the, the object that's being filmed or is it, the, is it the camera that's moving so that it, it makes the object appear to move faster than it does? The, the guy that's done the heavy lifting on this is Mick West. He's a columnist for Skeptic, and he has his own uh, website, Metabunk. I would direct people to. He's got just fantastic videos on each of those, you know, kind of evaluating each of the different claims. They're, they're all slightly different. Mm. There's one, for example, where the object is white, and it's a certain size, and it's dead center of the film, and there's a little frame around it. And yep. all of a sudden, it shoots off to the left. And the guy goes, oh, my God, wow, look at that. And and people doing evaluations of that video say, well, it just shot to the left at some enormous speed, you know, like 10 times the speed of sound. How could that possibly happen? We have no technology to do that. The pilot would be killed and so on. But as Mick pointed out, if you look in the upper left of that frame, it says zoom. That's the zoom. And it goes from one to two. So this, mm. the, the camera zoomed on, on the objects. So the object is actually not moving at all. It's just, it's going that way because the frame is moving closer to it. Oh boy. And, and each, each of these videos has an explanation along those lines. They're not perfect. You know, the government has not come out and said, yes, that's the explanation. They've been disturbingly quiet about these videos and the videos are not new. They're new to, to in pop culture, but you know, they, they, they date back more than a, a decade. And then much is made about the New York times covering it. You know, the New York times said they are real. Okay. First of all, when, when you say they're real, what's the, they it's the videos, the videos are real, uh, not CGI. They're not fake. So they're not saying that the objects are really aliens, which is what people seem to hear when they hear that phrase, they're real. And the New York times article is written by Leslie Keen, who is a longtime pro ufologist. And Leslie wrote a best-selling book called UFOs. And in her book, and I cite her book, she says 95% of all sightings are fully explainable by normal natural things. You know, if there's swamp gas, it's geese, it's a, a flock of birds, it's a, a flock of, it's a, a, a bunch of planes, it's, it's weather balloons, it's, it's uh, the planet Venus. You know, there, there's like a hundred different things that people think they see in the sky and misinterpret that end up having natural causes. So then we're down to, well, what's the other 5%? And the answer is there, it's just unknown not extraterrestrial, you know, not Russian or Chinese uh, drones. It's just, we don't know what they are at full stop. So the UN UFO is just unidentified. That's all it means. It doesn't mean extraterrestrial. doesn't mean government cover up. Right. Uh, doesn't mean the, the Russian. And, and by the way, on that, since we're, we're dealing with the Russians now, that, that business that the UAPs represent, not aliens, but Russian or Chinese, super advanced technology. I mean, they're like decades or centuries ahead of us impossible. Mm. That's back to your history of technology. That's not how technology develops. No invention has ever been made that didn't have a previous step and a previous step and other people know about it. I mean, governments copy each other. They steal from each other. Corporations copy each other and steal from each other. You know, the Manhattan Project was the most secret project in the history of the world. And the Russians had the bomb within four years. They yeah. stole our plan. They had a spy, <laughs> right? And, you know, Google and Apple have just enormous resources for intellectual property protection and, and security on site of their campus and so on. And yet still every computer, all the search, they're all pretty much the same. All the smartphones are the 
same. They all do the same thing. How is it, how is that possible if, uh, you know, they have all these protections because we're good at copying and stealing other people's ideas. So there's no way the Russians could, or Chinese could have these drones or planes that could do things that our planes can't do. We would know about it. Okay. So that the, the that then the extraterrestrial hypothesis is unlikely, not impossible. And here I'll just make a, a general point that mm. uh, the question, are they out there is different from have they come here? Right. Right. So the SETI scientists that, um, study the possibility of life on other planets in our solar system or elsewhere, extrasolar system planets, which we're getting the technology online now to be able to evaluate the light coming from a star behind a planet that mm -hmm. passes through its atmosphere. And we can then measure that light and see if there are um, chemical elements in the atmosphere that would only be produced by living organisms. Okay. Mm. Like greenhouse now, gases and things to, like that. Or what do you mean? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like oxygen, more oxygen that would be produced naturally from volcano mm. volcanic activity or something that would be produced by plants. Uh, that would be an indication that that planet has living organisms, even though you can't even see the planet. It's too far away. Um, that that's amazing technology. So all of that is is along the lines of that. You know, there, we we assume that we're not natural, or we're not normal. That is to say, we're the Copernican principle. We're not special. Sorry, I missed. I misspoke that. That we are normal. We're not special. We're not. You know, we're not the only ones in the cosmos. Mm. That seems reasonable. I, I suspect the trillions of planets that are out there. That, you know, there's other living organisms, and there's also probably uh, extraterrestrial intelligence. But that's a different question than have they come here? Now, to be fair, we have no evidence for to say yes on either one of them. Right? We have no signals. Uh, you know, no no contact like uh, sequence of of prime numbers, like in Carl Sagan's contact with right, Jodie Foster yeah, yeah. with the cans on mm -hmm. her head, listening to the beeping sound. We have nothing like that yet. And, and, and we have no UFOs here. I mean, we have lots of grainy videos and blurry photographs, but no alien spaceships or bodies, none. All we have is negative evidence. Well, well, you know, they're hiding them in area 51. That's why we, we can't, we don't have any evidence. Okay. That's a, that's a, a flawed argument. It's the same argument George Bush used, George W. Bush used when he invaded Iraq on the mm. premise of weapons of mass destruction and they couldn't find them. And the initial response is that's how we know they have them because they hid them right. so carefully and they moved them. We can't find them. Like, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that doesn't count as evidence. Well, technically we knew we, they had them because we sold them to them in the first place. Uh, but we also, oh, well, back in, yes, yeah, in the day. <laughs> we also right. oversaw the destruction right. allegedly. So, uh, but yeah, I want to get into this um, alien thing a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's do that. The, uh, <laughs> Well, I, I heard on one of your re recent podcasts, you were talking about, uh, you and your guests were talking about the uh, Drake equation and how even, mm -hmm. a, even a small or even a, an extremely conservative view on the Drake equation might produce like 36 intelligent uh, civilizations in our galaxy, which would be like mm -hmm. trillions of intelligent civilizations, basically. Uh, in the universe, yes. Yeah. Right. It's, it seems to be... That that, I mean, I get that it's all theoretical, right? Because we don't know. It, it would be weird if we were That's alone. Right. We don't. Know. It would be very weird if we it were alone. It would be weird. Uh, it would but be weird. that doesn't necessarily mean it's not the case. But I, 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 it does seem likely. And the one thing that I can't get past is traveling through space. It takes so much time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. a, a civilization that has figured out how to generate enough 
energy and mass and the location to create a wormhole or whatever we're talking about, however we're talking about, or uh, to uh, some of these theories about uh, spacecraft that use gravity to travel instead of propulsion and things like that uh, mm-hmm. without, mm-hmm. Uh, without ripping a human being to pieces or, or whatever, like an mm-hmm. organic body to pieces. I, I figure if, if a civilization has progressed far enough to figure that out, they might be able to cruise right by us and we would never know. You know what I mean? I mean, it's that, that's the big problem mm-hmm. for space travel, I think, is, is it's, uh, this is all so large. We could never hope to, to know all of this, right? This is my answer to the Fermi paradox, which is where mm-hmm. is everybody? If yeah. you follow the argument you just made and, and that, uh, you know, they would be exploring the, the entire galaxy within you know, like 10 to 100 million years. And, you know, we're billions of years old. So, okay, where are they? They should be here. And, you know, so there, there's like 50 different answers to this question, one of which is, you know, the, 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 they're very small. They're, it's just AI robots. They're not actual organic beings that are exploring the galaxy uh, or they're, they're doing it not even physically, just through some kind of like, uh, uh, you know, a, kind of almost a cyber, like just laser on laser beams or whatever that carry information or a cloaking, they use cloaking devices, right? They, it's the zoo hypothesis that they're watching us and they don't want us to see us watching uh, them watching us. And so they're cloaked. There's Star Trek episodes about mm. that. And, uh, you know, all that is possible. More likely, it's just what you said. It's mostly empty space. And it's just vast distances between solar systems. It's just stunning how far apart they are. You know, the, if two galaxies pass through each other, like the, the Andromeda galaxy will pass through the Milky Way galaxy in, in several billion years, apparently. And, uh, and, and it's, it's likely the, you know, the 100 billion stars in our galaxy won't hit any of the 100 billion stars in their galaxy. Even right. though when you look at them, they look pretty dense. Right. But it's mostly empty space. You know? So uh, again, analogies help. If, if our sun was the st- size of an orange and it was here in LA, I don't know where you are, but if the, the closest sun to us the Alpha Centauri, uh, Centauri system would be another orange in Chicago, two thousand miles away, mm. right? So, what are the chances of those orange colliding? None. You know, it's just mostly just empty space, and uh, that's the problem. I just think they, if they're out there, they haven't found us because um, it's they just missed us. I mean, you know, it's hard to find. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think people under are, are really realize that. Like, you look at uh, you look at astronomical figures. And then you look at something like Saturn and its rings and how close in astronomical terms those rings are together, but they still don't collide, you know, despite mm-hmm. uh, uh, being relatively close to one another. I, I, somebody, I can't remember who it was, it may have been uh, Tyson, but he, may, he said that if the, uh, and this, I, I'm taking this down to the micro level now, so an atom, if the, if, if the Rose Bowl was an atom, the nucleus would be the size of a mm. golf ball on the 50-yard mm. line, basically, is the comparison mm, he made. Right, right. And that's, so yeah. it's not just the universe as we know it that's huge. It's the space between things is always huge. And that mm. seems like to be the mm-hmm. one consistent thing between the micro world and the macro world to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, right. Lots of gaps. Although in the case of atoms, you know, they're vibrating, they're, they're, they're jiggling They're, you know, that that's the reason your cup uh, and your laptop mm. and whatever that thing is, is that a gun yes, sir. on your desk? Yep, sure is. <laughs> Doesn't fall through the wood, mm. you know, because the atoms in the wood are solid and the atoms 
atoms in the gun are solid. Mm. And even though the atoms themselves are made of mostly empty space, but they're jiggling. They have, you know, the little electrons going around the, the nucleus of the atom. And it's, it's essentially like a solid object at our level anyway. So, yeah. So aliens, I, I you know, again, I, what could be more fascinating? I, I think it's back to religion. It's almost like a religious impulse. You know, mm. I call them deities for atheists, uh, sky gods for skeptics. They're, you know, it's the idea that there's somebody out there that knows we're here, that's more advanced than us, mm. maybe even omniscient or apparently omniscient, all powerful, which, a, you know, a sufficiently advanced extraterrestrial intelligence or far future human civilization would be essentially omniscient. And omniscient. Well, that's Arthur C. Clark, right? Yes. What's that's the right. uh, a, yeah. a sufficiently advanced Any technology? Sufficiently advanced technology like is, is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. yeah. So I I changed that. And I took that and ran with it with indistinguishable from God. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, sufficiently advanced. Yeah. So uh, again, just look what we've been able to accomplish in the last century, and just extrapolate that out a hundred centuries or a thousand centuries, and it, it, we would seem godlike to already. We would seem godlike to a Neanderthal. You know, you hold up a show them a cell phone and a smartphone, and they, you know you would you'd be deified <laughs> yeah for sure what's your uh you you've you've addressed a lot of these uh conspiracies over the years what's your favorite like which one is the most compelling to you oh well yeah in my book i have chapters on jfk that one mm -hmm. seems to never go away always interesting i do think it's a lone assassin but the alternative theories are are, are interesting 9-11 truthers have kind of bumped jfk as the, they're pretty persistent you know, that, that George W. Bush was in, in, involved in it somehow. Um, you know, the QAnon, I, I'm pretty baffled by QAnon, how anybody could believe it. But again, it, I think it taps. It's a proxy conspiracy theory for something else. Uh, the larger rigged election conspiracy uh, that the Democrats are cheating uh, and, and the Republicans are not winning as many elections because of, you know, the shenanigans of the voting system and the Democrats. And I think it taps a lot of political uh, divisiveness as a conspiracy theory. And uh, that one I'm really worried about for 2024, because, you know, there's still people now, uh, you know, like in Wisconsin, 60 Minutes had a show Sunday on Wisconsin still pursuing the 2020 election to try to overturn it. It's like, oh, my God, you know, it's you guys should be focusing on 2024, mm. getting whoever your candidates are going to be to win instead of, you know, two years ago now. And, you know, Trump's going to run again, probably. And and um, I don't know if anybody could beat him in the primary, maybe DeSantos or Mitt Romney. I don't know, but probably not the way it's going. And more Republicans today now than ever say that they think the election was rigged. OK, this is a conspiracy theory in the highest levels of government and society. This is not a fringe problem. Mm. And I'm, I'm worried about that. So what's true really matters. The, the election was not rigged. It was a fair election as fair as any you can have, you know, there's, there's always a tiny bit of voter fraud, but right. not enough to make a difference. And the fact that uh, Attorney General Barr, who is a, you know, a staunch Republican conservative bona fides are as good as they get, says, no, sorry, we looked into it. There's just nothing there. That should end the story, but it doesn't. So there's something else going on I'm, I'm, I'm very worried about. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the big problem for me with all that is uh, that if you continue to use that as your reason what because we we always look for reason and thing if you use that uh conspiracy for your reason that things happen this way then you don't address like if, if you're a republican you re believe in republicanism and things like that if you just write it off to 
a stolen election, then you don't actually address the faults in your party for not having a good ground game and getting people to vote or uh, being able to point out that, hey, you guys all voted for this dude and it doesn't seem to be going that well. Maybe you should rethink it next time. You can't make any of those points if you're (laughs) still stuck on this other bullshit. All right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So what's going on in science now, beyond all the conspiracy shit, what's going on in science now that you're super excited about? I'm sure James Webb is part of it, but uh, there's a lot of stuff going on these days. Uh, well, you know, there's a lot of neuroscience that's pretty interesting, trying to understand how the brain works. I think that's important. It's important for medical medical purposes because of all the baby boomers like me that are going to be hitting the wall and getting Alzheimer's and dementia and all that stuff. So, you know, the scientific breakthroughs and understanding that I think are important. Uh, and even understanding consciousness and what it is, I think, you know, we're making some progress there that didn't even used to be on the table. Uh, for that. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the, you know, the climate change thing is another one of these polarized subjects, but uh, again, I'd rather focus on the future and like, all right, let's figure out ways to, uh, you know, to, to shift from fossil fuels to renewables. I do think nuclear has to be in the equation. I don't see how you can get enough energy, particularly as all these developing countries come online mm. and they want the same energy we have because they want all the stuff we have right. and they want the quality of life we have and, and they should have that. So how, how can we get that? I don't see you can get that with solar and wind and geothermal. I think you need nuclear and again, that's another thing I'm worried about is, you know, like Germany going offline on nuclear and Japan probably. And, you know, and here in California, closing mm-hmm. nuclear power plants, you know, that's the wrong direction. And part of the problem is we have a, you know, zero tolerance for any failure at all because of the fear of another Chernobyl, even though in three mile Island was the worst one here, no one died, not one person yeah. died, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's a, but, but people hear that and, and they think, well, you know, I'd rather have my coal. Yeah, well, you know, thousands of people die every year from coal-related, uh, yep. you know, fossil fuel-related jobs. And, uh, you know, so, uh, but it's, you know, the devil you know versus the devil you don't know, I guess. Yeah, it's weird to me that uh, even in China, I think 70% of their, en- or their energy still comes from wood and coal. That seems like, uh, I, I guess there's a lot of yes. hinterland in China. I mean, there's big cities and they have a large population, but that's still super bizarre to me. And yeah, about the... Uh, uh, the nuclear thing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Michael Schellenberger. He's written quite a bit about it. Yeah, I know Michael. Yeah. yeah he's a, he's yeah, a good dude. We've had him on the show. He's uh he just wrote something uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually on Barry Weiss's uh Substack about how we basically fucked ourselves over by, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I think that we should try to be as good of stewards of our planet as possible. Uh, that just seems reasonable to me. Anybody that was in the military or in the Boy Scouts, you leave shit better than what you found it, right? I mean, that's kind of the that's <laughs> right, kind of the, the right. ethos there. Yes. But yeah. uh, green energy, as, if if you want to call it that, is not really ready for prime time yet, especially in large right. countries like ourselves. So, right. shutting down these nuclear plants has really backed us into a corner. Yes. I don't understand why they did that. Like, is it? I understand it if it's like, well, we're going to shut these down because necessity is the mother of invention. Science doesn't necessarily work that way. Like we don't have the ability to store enough solar energy uh, uh, or transport it right now. And by the way, all the, mm-hmm. uh, the fiber chips for that are made in China. So you know, it's, it, it's, a, <laughs> right. big, it's a big problem yes. from a security standpoint yes. to have our energy independence yes. in, in, in Russia and China and Iran and Saudi Arabia. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's still places on Earth where they burn cow pies for energy. Oh boy! You know, it's just that, that, yeah, that is brutal. Yeah, I mean, we got to get everybody up to up to speed here, and we got to you know move forward. 
in a positive direction rather than obsessing about reducing our amount of energy consumption. You know, that's just not going to, first of all, it's not going to happen. Mm. And, but second of all, what, why go backwards? Why not go forward? You know, there's too many people we need to go back. No, just how about, you know, educate people and, and use birth control and that populations will naturally go down. They are, they are going down. They're going to peak at about, uh, about 10 billion. We're, we're at about 8 billion later this year. Mm. They'll peak at about 11, about 10 or 11 billion. And then go back down to about where we are now in 2021 in uh, uh, at the end of this century and then probably down even more because there's there's you know, quite a few countries now that are below replacement level mm. you know, russia is one of them by the way uh you know their populations are shrinking by millions of people uh every decade and so it's it's stunning that this could happen but it can in other parts of the world it's not it's the opposite of that in, in some of the developing countries simply because they don't have the education and the technology, birth control technology and the empowerment of women and, and more powerful economies. Mm. Because when you do that, population levels just naturally go down. Family sizes go down. Right. And we know this. It's easy to implement. Religion is a big problem for that, you know, because some some religions anyway, you know, just to, you know, they're, they're in the old mode. Like we need, you need to have as many babies as possible because that's how we grow our religion. Right. Okay? But that, those days are over. We have to stop that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you said that there, there's been quite a bit of progress in understanding consciousness. Uh, can you elaborate on that? Oh, I, I just mean that, um, you know, explaining the so-called hard problem of consciousness mm. that, you know, how is it is, how is it that we're able to uh, have these qualitative experiences of knowing what it's like to be me or you or, uh, uh, or have the experience of living or experiencing things. And uh, I think the problem is probably just going to go away once we understand all the underlying networks and how they work and how they operate. Uh, a recent analogy I like is that consciousness is it we've we've reified it into a thing like it exists separate like the mind is separate from the brain it's not the mind is just a word consciousness is just a word we use for what the brain does when it's active and uh, like fire if i light a match and then blow it out and you say well where'd the flame go well it well it didn't go anywhere because it didn't exist it was just a process mm. it's a chemical process it didn't exist then it did then it didn't and, and it's consciousness is probably something like that you know, like, where were you before you were born? I wasn't anywhere because I didn't yeah. have a brain. Right. right. And then you come online and then you're, you're conscious for however many decades. And then, and then, and then it goes offline. You're gone. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't float off the brain into some, uh, you know, quantum field or heaven or whatever. And, and uh, I think the better we understand that, the better we can, I think, appreciate this life. Yeah. 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 Maybe take advantage of the life you definitely have and not worry about yeah. something that might not exist. Uh, yeah. Good. This has been this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, it's very informative for our people. Just you know, remembering all, all the little details, specific things we talk about are uh, interesting. But the making sure you know how to think and be skeptical about things is really important. So tell people where they can find your uh, where they can find you, where they can find your work. Oh, right. Skeptic.com is the uh, place, the portal for the magazine and, and most of my work. MichaelShermer.com uh, has my personal uh, information and contact information and all that. Uh, books on you know Amazon, just type in Michael Shermer, you'll see all my books or Audible. You know, audio books are becoming ever more popular. And yeah, so that's it. The Michael Shermer Show is my podcast. And but that's you can the portal through that is skeptic.com. All right, great. Uh, really appreciate right. you coming on today. This is uh, You're welcome. super fun. Thanks for Thanks. having me. We'll see you guys later. All right. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.